With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey folks, John Miller here. We are so excited that Exile has come back to be an anchor and studio sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast again this year. Want to let you know about something coming up on their calendar, hopefully yours as well. Exile Music Fest is Saturday, August 25th. The Motet, Kyle Hollinsworth Band, The Maytags, Mr. Barber's Neighbors, Aaron Cam, and The One Drops will all be performing. Tickets available online. The venue is 1514 Walnut Street in Des Moines. Go to exilebrewing.com and over on the left side, click on 2018 Exile Music Fest for more information and links to get your tickets. The HN Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace. Uh, Let's start, Steve, with some newsiness related to the Hawkeyes on the day we record this, which is Wednesday, August the 8th. Kirk Ferentz announces two more suspensions. Uh, Offensive tackle Alaric Jackson, who was suspended for Iowa's bowl game this past winter, and also defensive lineman, defensive tackle Cedric Lattimore. We're up to what now? Four players, four linemen? who are going to miss Iowa's season-opening game against Northern Illinois. Both of Iowa's projected starting tackles, who last year were just freshmen, this year would just be sophomores. Um, I I still think Iowa has the firepower to beat Northern Illinois, but they've got a very uh, very talented pass rusher. It was going to be a challenge to keep that guy out of the backfield anyway. Mm-hmm. Four four suspensions, and, and to be fair, or at least to to be complete, these suspensions that Iowa announced for Jackson and Lattimore on Wednesday. <clears throat> let me just read the release. Here's Kirk's quote: "As a coach, one of the most important decisions is to hold student athletes accountable. It's painful to the players and to the team to impose a suspension, but we have high standards, and there's ex- expectation. All players abide by our rules." And then the release went to say this, the player infraction is not a legal matter. Violation of team policy or rules can include academic performance, attendance, timeliness, behavior, effort, and engagement. The issues surfaced in late spring and both players were given guidelines to meet and milestones to achieve over the past 10 weeks. Quote from Ferentz, their response has been excellent and I'm very pleased with how they're meeting our expectations. End quote. So, apparently these suspensions uh, were going to happen regardless, it would sound like. Um, But the players, according to Kirk Ferentz, have uh, responded well to what their expectations have been, but they're still going to miss a game. You can comment on those two things, but really we've got four guys now, Steve, in a very short amount of time, even though these two seems like stem from something that happened in the spring. That's just a lot of noise you don't want to have going into a season. Yeah, I agree. I, I know I mentioned last time this topic came up with the first couple. Uh, you know, I talked about I'll never forget the summer of 2002, which prompted me to create my infamous tote board from back in the day. Iowa had so many Paulas and Sanders had the OWI and everything else. And then they go out there and go 12 and 0. OK, but I am kind of a little concerned because it's within a group of players playing similar positions and and together. And right. 
what, what, here's what I mean when I'm where I'm concerned about that. If you, people go back when Notre Dame went four and eight uh, two years ago now in the 2016 season, and you'll recall right as fall practice started, there was a situation where they had one senior back on their in their defensive backfield, and uh, he was caught uh, driving a, a, the car. He got an OWI. Uh, and there was, I think, some other substance abuse involved. And several of the younger right. players on that position group were with him, right? And they all got suspended for yes. that Texas game. And Shane Bouchelle went out there and threw for like 900 yards. And we thought, wow, Texas is back. And they went 5-7 and seven again, <laughs> okay? And I said at the time, my concern about that would be you're on the eve of camp. You have waited eight months for this moment, right? And... Now you're going to kind of blow it. And what does the what example are you setting there with, with the young guys when one of your your leaders is involved? Right. And I'll never forget being up at the Jacobson building at the start of fall practice in 2003. And, you know, that Iowa State team was going to struggle a little bit anyway because it didn't have Seneca Wallace. But, you know, they had two players, uh, Chris Love and Hiawatha Rutland, get OWIs right at the end of the summer. And I've, I, 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 that's the maddest I've ever seen Dan McCarney. And if those young men had been there at that moment when I was sitting in his office as he was getting this news uh, and responding to it, uh, I, they'd have needed Kevlar and arm guard to get out of Ames. Um, and, and I'll never forget what he said to me off the record sitting there with him, John, as he said, you know, the leadership message this sends for the rest of this team going into fall camp is exactly where you don't want to be. And that team went two and ten. Now I was not going to go two and ten, but when you go in that opening game, and you're right, I think he's the leading returning sacker in the country. Is the Sutton kid at Northern Illinois? You know, I just went through a season with my favorite team. We played 13 different offensive line combinations, and then we played three different quarterbacks. And if you don't think that last number has anything to do with the first number, brother, you don't know football, okay? You want to know why you had three different quarterbacks while we had quarterbacks even carried out on stretchers? Because we had 13 different offensive line combinations. And when you know Michigan started the year running a zone-blocking scheme similar to what Iowa runs, and that means coordination and chemistry is huge, and it is a thing of art when those thing when you have those things. Right. When you don't, uh, not so much. Guys shoot gaps. Communication's not there. I I'm at the point now I'd start being concerned because the margin for error with the way Iowa plays, where most weeks it's going to be a 21-17 game. We talk about this. We've done this for years. 24-17 game. And so much of Iowa's system is predicated on we know who we are. We have our identity. You're the one who's going to have to make mistakes. You're not getting us out of our style of play. And so, you know, we're going to be doing our thing and force you to respond to us. And when you start seeing clusters of this with position groups and guys that, in Lattimore's case, uh, in Alaric Jackson's case, these are guys that are positioned to take huge leaps. Uh, that you know a lot has been uh, has has been hyped around them, and then you have these sorts of things happened. I I would be wondering, where is I wasn't concerned a couple weeks ago. Now I'm kind of beginning to get concerned. I mean, you're welcome to talk me out of it. Well, I there are reasons for concern, and one of the reasons why I read that release was so that there was a little bit of a delineation between, hey, we've got a scatter shot, um, mm-hmm. four players right before camp that are going rogue. Mm-hmm. Sounds like in the case of Jackson, 
and Lattimore, whatever it was that they did, um, and I'm sure what they did was encapsulated somewhere in those like five things that uh, I read from the release, whether it's uh, attendance, timeliness, uh, academics, etc. Somewhere in there is probably uh, what these two um, fell short of with regards to expectations. All of those four didn't happen right before camp. Two of them certainly did with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with uh, regards to Wirfs and Riley Reef. But it's, it's not something you want. And, and I think the bigger point is, is the, the beautiful dance that you see on the offensive line. You've got two of your tackles that are going to be out. Some people may say, hey, Mark Kallenberger, step right up. Opportunity for a young guy uh, to do something and, and get his chance to, to shine, and that's fine. I'm looking at the two deep here. Um, Mark Kallenberger was, was Jackson's backup. Dalton Ferguson, uh, a senior, um, 6'4", 308 backup reserve offensive lineman is Tristan Wirf's reserve. Um, and you've got Le- Levi Paulson and Landon Paulson as backups at, gu- at guards. Maybe one of those guys have to shift out and play tackle, and we all know that that's a challenge. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that is definitely a concern. These and look guys at are, your next game, too. I was just Because I your was, next game, yeah, is the big rivalry game, and those yeah. guys have to get re-ingratiated in the entire scheme. That's that Iowa State essentially from an offensive line perspective, and that's really the the bedrock position of Iowa's football program. Iowa State now really becomes Iowa's season opener, basically. That's basically how you have to look at it. Well, I was going to say that, and you're right. I was going to say that um, it's not ideal to have that going into the Iowa State game the next week because – whomever replaces Wirfs and Jackson uh, at the tackle position is going to not get the number one team reps leading up to that, that week. And at this juncture in camp, I mean, it will be after camp, but this juncture of the season, I mean, the reps are very important. They're more important now, really, than they are, you know, week nine, week 10, when you've been there, done that, you've had your bye week to revisit the basics. They're important mm-hmm. at this point in time because you got to think that towards you know the latter end of camp, whomever's going to be starting against Northern Illinois is going to be getting more reps than they would have otherwise, yeah. which means yeah, fewer see, reps. I think that, that's a good point, too. I'm glad you brought that up. Fans don't understand that. All right. When we get in after for the first two weeks, camp is camp. When we get to the next two, the last two weeks, it's getting ready for the first game of the season. Right. And so they, they now that we're essentially going with who went into last year as the third string offensive tackle, we got to get that guy ready to go block a guy that's going to be playing on Sundays next year. All right. right. We got to get him ready to go, which means we don't have time to we we and we can't give that guy who went into the last camp thir- third string. We can't split his reps 50 50 because we can't afford one miscommunication. Sutton shoots a gap, knocks our quarterback out for with a concussion for two weeks. Right. So right. that that's why this is going to have reverberations beyond next week. Now, whether it's dramatic or not, and we should always throw this in this time of year when we have no games to break down everything becomes a bigger deal just sure. as a that's the handicap of it right because we have right. nothing else to to talk about so there's there's that factor too but i would if 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 as a fan i'm more concerned about this stuff than i am a guy who thought he was doing the right thing and he jumped into the back of a police car where he thought it was an uber because he recognized i'm too drunk to drive all right that's a guy that that's a college guy try, realizes I went too far. He's trying to self-correct and just inadvertently made a mistake. Here, with this situation, 
what the university's really telling you is these guys have been on notice for six damn months. And, you know, we gave them basic expectations. Go to class. I mean, show up and time. Eat. Be on time. Tell time. And you're telling me you've got a chance. Do you know if you're the here's the way this position works at Iowa. By virtue of getting a starting spot on Iowa's offensive line, you immediately become on every every NFL scout's radar. Immediately. Immediately. They're going to watch every piece of film you do all year long because of the lineage of that position. Right. You have your entire family's financial future in front of you. I'd, I'd almost I'd almost be more forgiving of a guy who had too much to drink one night and got busted because even though that's that's a potentially lethal situation, that can happen when you just made one concentrated mistake. In this case, this is just you're an ass clown. You're just a moron. You're lazy. You've got the, your whole damn life sitting in front of you and you're like, I can't even with this. I'd be more bothered by that as a coach because that just tells me I, I'm going to start questioning, dude, seriously? I mean, I mean, we're trying to hand you life in a bowl full of cherries here. Just take it from us. Do you mind? And he's like, oh, I can't roll out of the rack. Oh, man. I mean, weightlifting's hard. Oh, man. I didn't know we had to, we changed to daylight savings time. Now, I'm reminded of that great scene in The Natural where uh, the right fielder who's throwing games drops the ball. And when he comes back to the dugout, the manager, Wilford Brimley's red, looks at him and says, what the hell's going on out there? And he goes, I lost it in the sun. And he looks up and there's a massive thunderstorm taking place. And he says, yeah, yeah. blinding, right? How hard? Are, basically, what Iowa just told you is we just wanted him to show us he was a carbon-based life form for six months. He was unable to do it, so he has to be suspended. Yeah. That's freaking pathetic. Violated, to repeat from the release, violation of team policy or rules can include academic performance. Showing up, doing what you're supposed to do. Attendance, timeliness, <laughs> behavior, effort. Yes, making, your, making your bed. And engagement. <laughs> engagement meaning show us you freaking care. Just, just, just show me you care. Yeah. yeah those, those, are, those are not uh, – those are not – I'm glad to see that Kirk said their response has been excellent and he's pleased with how they're now meeting the expectations they have of every other single player on that roster. But – yeah, you don't. Uh, you don't. And I don't even fault that. a young guy. We, how motivated for you, were you for life? Even if with God, even if, even if you didn't have these God-given gifts, how motivated, motivated, motivated for you were you for life? Let me try English as a second language. How motivated were you for life at 21? Right. I mean, I was we get that. I was motivated to find money for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and maybe I hear you. Sunday, dollar pictures. Dollar. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. That was um, my motivation. The pub crawl that has you crawl into the commode at the end of the weekend. I hear yeah. you. But, yeah. but okay, he got his, you got your warning, man. You got your warning in the spring. And your response well, for the last Jackson four months his, was... Alaric Jackson had his the warning bowl game. last year because yeah. he missed the bowl game. Yeah. I mean, that's That's the part where you're there. just like, do you, want it, do you want to play college football? All right, you had your one mulligan here. We gave you a warning. We took the bowl game away from you. You had eight months to figure this out. Seriously? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I, I we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But the, the Iowa State things concerns me a little bit more than than the Northern Illinois game. Speaking of Iowa State, Rob Howe of HawkeyeNation.com uh, tweeted something out earlier um, in the week when the um, the speculation over uh, Urban Meyer's future at Ohio State, which we're going to delve into a great deal on the Bigger Ten podcast coming up. 
Um, the speculation that Matt, Matt Campbell's name has seemingly surfaced all across the internet, Twitter, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and uh, a lot of Iowa fans discussing it. I tweeted out the news reports. I, I did so without commentary. Uh, and Rob Howe tweeted something along the lines of, um, you know, if you're an Iowa fan, you should want to have Iowa State uh, perform as well as they possibly can, their program be as strong as possible. And Rob's rationale for that is similar to something that I uh, podcast about last September when Chris Williams of Cyclone Fanatic and I teamed up for a podcast in advance of the Iowa-Iowa State game that year. And I said, listen, I'd rather, if Iowa and Iowa State are going to play this game, I want Iowa State to be good. I don't want Iowa to be in a position where they have everything to lose from a national perspective and zero to gain. Because everyone nationally, most of them have no idea about Iowa State. They don't place any value on, on the, uh, the temperature of the rivalry, which seems dumb because every single national media member or local media member covers a game or a team that has a rival and you sometimes crazy things can happen. But it doesn't matter. Whenever Iowa loses that game, it's a, it's, it's, it's a you know, above the fold headline on ESPN or whatever. But when Iowa wins that game, it's not mentioned because Iowa is supposed to be. Iowa State. I'm not saying I make these rules. I'm saying that's what they are. I doubt you would disagree. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if if we're going to keep, if Iowa and Iowa State are going to keep playing this game, I want Iowa State to get better and carry its end of the bargain to make this an actual win when Iowa wins the game, something of meaning. So I think that's where Rob's coming from. And I mean, obviously, I agree with it. Since it seems like Iowa and Iowa State are going to continue to play this game, this isn't going to be a podcast podcast about whether it's a good game for either side. I think there's debates for both sides to say they should or should or shouldn't play it. I'm all for this. And I actually like Matt Campbell a lot. I didn't dislike Paul Rhodes, but Paul, Paul was just a little over the top for me. Coming mm-hmm. from someone who in his career has been over the top at times. At 47, I think I'm under Yeah, the top. I mean, you, you can't have the six uh, locker, you know, impromptu inspired so locker proud. room yeah. celebrations. And, 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 and the crazy, yeah. you know, you know, guitar swinging side, on the sideline going yeah. crazy with the refs. That's one of my favorite gifts of all time <laughs> was when somebody put a guitar in Paul Rhodes' hand. Uh, I got to find that thing. But I like, I like Matt Campbell. Dude's got a lot of great energy. I mean, we can sit here and discuss the merits of Iowa State's recruiting strategies, but why does that even matter? Um, and, and I made fun of it a year. I mean, there, there's things that I poke fun at. Even, even a year ago, I look at now like, why? Who cares? It's their business. Run it the way they want to run it. If they want to offer 400 kids a year, so what? Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like he's doing a good job of getting talent there. Their recruiting class this year so far is you know, in the top 25. I agree with you. Yeah, basically, Tom Herman's complaint about the way Iowa State recruits is, how dare you uh, uppity bottom dwellers refuse to stay in your lane? That, that's basically pretty much, his complaint. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I'm, all, I'm all for Matt Campbell staying there and building that to a strong program because in a given year, the state of Iowa is going to produce somewhere between, maybe the number's higher now, but four to seven um, you know, FBS caliber athletes, and not all of those are power five caliber, really. Um, and yeah, Iowa gets their share. Some years Iowa State did. There haven't been too many in-state players since um, Todd Blythe 
really, that Iowa has lost out on in a head-to-head battle, but Iowa State also hasn't been great during that time, and maybe things would change uh, if Iowa and Iowa State were on a level playing field. So I'm fine with it, frankly. I don't, I don't know that they bump heads in recruiting seriously all that often. So if we're going to play the game, let's see Iowa State at full capacity. Well, I think it depends on if, – if I were an Iowa fan, my perspective on this question would depend on who I believe our program is and or could be. Okay, so, so far under Ference, there's there's basically been a once a decade national push where Iowa had a chance to take the next step nationally as a program. So you had 2002, right? Finished number three in the se- in the regular season, um, and your only loss was to Iowa State uh, when they were good. Uh, that was the uh, the fifth straight uh, the fifth straight loss to Dan McCarney, but that's when Iowa State was a perennial bowl team. And then you had uh, the the 2015 team that went 12 and 0. All right, and I would argue that the one play maybe really sparked that season was when it was third and um, uh, third in Mexico at like the Iowa State one, and <laughs> and, uh, and CJ and CJ Beathard escaped. He ran right over that wall. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. looked like a safety and ran like 40 yards in the game, and the and the whole momentum was changed after that, right? And that was kind of the the first early spark play for Iowa's season that year. And that turned out to not be a good Iowa State team. Now, if you think if you think Iowa can be more than a once a decade national player. And what I mean by national player now is defined by can you make the playoff? It's more than once Iowa, a decade, but I I don't want to nitpick with you. Go ahead. If you think Iowa can do more than that, then you do want Iowa State to be better. If you think Iowa probably is an eight, nine, and ten win type of a program, then you're playing really for the best bowl slotting you can get. And you know, then I go back to the old Lee Corso line at the end of the year. They don't ask you who; they ask you how many. Right. right so, right. I mean, I understand that Alabama got a special exemption last year. I agree that if it was any other SEC team up against Ohio State as the Big Ten champion, they would not have gotten in the playoff. I also understand, though, that the reason the last two Big Ten champions did not get in is they had a second loss. If Ohio State had not lost to Iowa, would Alabama have been in the playoff last year, John? No, it would not have been. No. The year before, if Penn State had played Temple instead of in-state rival Pittsburgh on the road, if they had played Temple and won 40-10, to 10, would Ohio State have been in the playoff or Penn State the Big Ten champion? Penn State, right? So I think it really comes down to who do you think your program is and, and can be as the answer to that question. That's how I would look at it. Well, I mean, I, I think Iowa is the 8, 7, 8, 9, 10 win program. I mean, they had the, the back-to-back-to-back top 10 finishes in the final AP pool, 0 2 3 and 4 uh, They started the 2009 season 9-0. and DJK was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and had Ricky Stanzi not injured his ankle uh, early against Northwestern when they were up 10 to nothing and having like 165 total yards of offense in the first half and having everything their way. They probably go 10-0. and And do they beat Ohio State in the horseshoe? Who knows? Then, of course, you talk about 2015. But I think on the average... This is an eight. This is an eight and four um, program year in year out. So what you're saying then is, you know, win as many as you can and have one of those yeah. eight. Because I've done the math before. We did it a year ago. Um, in the years where Iowa beats loses to Iowa State, they're like their average. I mean, they're 
seven wins seems to be their ceiling more often than not. 2002 is an exception. And when they beat Iowa State, usually you're looking at nine wins, you know, close to the average. Of course, that one game is a win or a loss, so it, it does mm-hmm. skew things a little bit. But I, I think the trajectory of those seasons, when you look back on them, you can say, hey, the Iowa teams that didn't beat Iowa State, with one glaring exception in 2002, were also going up against a once-in-a-century type talent in Seneca Wallace, a quarterback for Iowa State. They're yeah. not going to go anywhere. The years that they do beat them, they, you know, 75% of the time win at least nine games, if not get to 10. Um, so it's a good And when I say game. once a decade national player, I mean that when the regular season ended, Iowa was legitimately in the national championship conversation. Okay. okay. That's, well, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm glad you're going to find that because you're going to okay. get, you're, if yeah. I didn't come back with that, we would have both gotten hate mail. And when you, and when you came back with that, I realized I need to clarify that point. I mean, when the season was over. Right, the whole debate in 2002, which who is better, Iowa or Ohio yeah. State? Okay, meaning when the, and when even after and they they ha, they lose by three centimeters to L.J. Scott at yeah. Michigan State, and you're still number five at the end of the regular season. Right, so that means right. you're one spot away from the playoff. That's what I mean by that. Well, you're right, and let, let's go back to the start of the Hayden Fry era. There's only one other season that Iowa would have been in that conversation if we would have had a 14 playoff at that point in time. It was likely in 1985. Yeah, when um, I was number three at the yeah. end of the regular season. And, and they went 10-1 and one in 1991. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe-ish. But, yeah, on, I mean, it might not even be once a decade if you're going to use those parameters. So, um, all right. That'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. Coming up also this week will be our discussion over on the Bigger Ten Podcast of what in the world's going on at Iowa State – or at Ohio State, rather. Sorry about that, clone fans. I mean – break that because I want to give you some distance to what's going on over there in Columbus. <laughs> um, you know, another uh, another example of uh, cultism alive and well in college sports. Uh, and if you don't think that that would happen at your school and your fan base, you're just wrong. Every fan base has them. So we'll talk about all that and, and offer our predictions on whether or not Urban Meyer uh, will be Ohio State's uh, coach by the time we get to the end of this season. Thanks as always for listening.